The College Game Day podcast is presented by Old Dominion Freight Line, helping the world keep promises. We got a real simple plan. One me and one mission. Georgia has won the national championship. You're a fan, you might think this is sports heaven. This might be college football heaven. This is ESPN's College Game Day podcast. Now alongside Pete Thamel, is Reese Davis. A smorgasbord, a veritable feast of picks. The one side dish you can't do without. And for this day, we will eschew talking about ribeyes in favor of turkeys. This is the College Game Day podcast, typically on Friday, but dropping today on Thursday, November 24th. Just to give you a little listening pleasure while you're driving to Grandma's house. At least that's hope. We hope that's what you're doing. Reese Davis, Pete Thamel, and Bill Connolly here. So as the people are driving, starting to wet the appetites, the um, maybe the taste buds are starting to make the mouth water a little bit. What is the one go-to dish that you have to have on Thanksgiving, Peter Thamel? So this may surprise you. I, I, I'm, I, I'm a bit boring when it comes to this, but the, the, these Thanksgiving in Coutremont that I look forward to most are mashed potatoes. I'm a I'm a boring Irish guy from Boston and I like some boring old mashed potatoes. A little gravy maybe, but I want a big heaping helping of mashed potatoes. Maybe like lop it up with a little dinner roll with some butter. That is uh that is my just complete the epitome of my delightful blandness. Bill <laughs> I mean, mashed potatoes don't have to be bland. Like we can, you, you load them up with enough butter, and I mean, they they're gonna yeah be pretty delightful. Um, so I've got the standard answer and a weird answer. The standard answer would be like when I was growing up, and you know, going to small town Oklahoma for Thanksgiving to see uh, all the relatives. It was always deviled eggs and, and mac and cheese. Um, mm. Family made very good mac and cheese and and very good deviled eggs. And I've had a lot of bad deviled eggs since, so I didn't realize like. I probably I might have had a different impression of those than other people did, uh, depending on who you had them from. But those are good. Um, now the answer is basically we just get weird on Thanksgiving, and we finally get to after a few weird, like a, a odd years here, we actually get to go back to it. We're having a Hawaiian themed Thanksgiving this year. We've done like German, we've done uh, Italian, we've done a bunch of things before. We're doing Hawaiian. I'm making loco moco and uh, huli huli chicken for for Thanksgiving tomorrow, so, and I'm wait, very excited about it. Okay, so you're you're doing it? Are you the yeah. are you the cooking now? It is a very. My wife and I are. This is kind of our team thing. We're we're re- we're really good at teaming up in the in the kitchen. So between the two of us, and my mom's bringing a dessert, and she's making the kalua pork and all this other stuff. So it's gonna be it's gonna be good. And and because I didn't think bring me another mai tai. I, well, and, you know, we love poke. We love the, you know, I saw oh, the yeah. spam masubi thing with the rice you wrapped in seaweed. We did not think our parents would try that at all. So I'm making spam fried rice to get the spam part in there. Oh, uh, you know what? I used to have growing up, I had spam sandwiches, not on yeah. Thanksgiving, but fried spam. I don't, I don't like some people eat yeah, the no, spam raw right out of the can. I, no. I, I'm, I'm not about that, but the fried <laughs> spam with eggs are, are can be pretty good. Uh, My wife and I are great teammates in the kitchen too. She cooks it beautifully and I eat it exquisitely. (laughs) I mean, it really, it's a very uh, symbiotic relationship there. I have to have her sweet potato casserole. Now I know how that sounds, but she's got a special recipe that my, my dear and close friend, Mark May, 
has been after her for years to <laughs> let him because Mark Mark is a, a brilliant businessman and he's always looking for a way to uh, expand his entrepreneurial horizons and he has wanted to market this for wow. for for years and we we don't divulge the whole recipe but uh, Lou Holtz came over with Mark Mark always used to come to Thanksgiving we work together every year and and Lou came a couple times. And Lou said early on when he came that he didn't care for sweet potatoes, which is fine. You know, I mean, some and Mark said, good, stay away from those. You won't like them anyway, because, I mean, you know, Mark and I would eat copious amounts of this. So Lou put a little on his plate, I guess, to be polite, and he ate it. And then Mark and I caught him later going back in for seconds of the sweet, <laughs> the sweet potatoes. This is a this is a, it's it's very much like. My wife says the reason I like it is because it's like dessert, but um, it's but I, I like the turkey. I love to eat the turkey because it's good. I love to eat the turkey like a good boy should because it's turkey <laughs> to eat. So good. One dollar to you Adam. Take Sandler. a ribeye over turkey if available on Thanksgiving. Not on Thanksgiving. No, okay. on Thanksgiving you have to have turkey. I mean, I respect what the Connellys do. And because every family, every, every family, every family, Do you have a, we life. respect, respect our decision. No interviews. Right. Hashtag. On your yeah, Thanksgiving. yeah, exactly. I, I mean, if that's what, if that's what makes the Connolly's Thanksgiving merry and bright and makes them happy, good for them. I want, I want a giant Turkey. That's just me. I want Turkey. I want the dressing, which is different than stuffing yeah. or which Bill probably knows that Pete might not being a, a Northeast guy, but uh, you probably, you know, the difference between dressing and stuffing, don't you bill from Oklahoma? Yeah. It's in or out of the bird basically. Yeah. Um, well, and also you, the you dressing is cornbread based. You, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a whole different thing. So anyway, anything with cornbread has got to be pretty good. It like, is delicious. It is, it is spectacular. Okay, that that is sort of like the hors d'oeuvre, the cheese plate, uh, the charcuterie board, as it were, before the turkey comes out. Now it's time to bring out the ribeyes right here. Where where do we stand in the race for the ribeyes? We're going to give you picks uh, plenty on this, really this last full weekend of college football, which is extraordinarily sad. Taylor, what do we got? Guys, so I, I think this is really the second to last week. I don't think we should roll this over into bowl season just because there might be some unpredictability in the rosters and all that. So I feel like, do we agree that the, the finish line is after conference championships or do you want to include the playoff in the national championship? See, I think I think we do a separate, like, yeah, you know, yeah. Okay. a separate little side bet. Um, we can do Who the race desserts? for the pokey or, yeah, the, the dressing could do, or the stuffing or the, the, the casserole. The, maybe the, maybe the mashed potatoes. Wife's casseroles. Yeah, the, the race the, of potatoes. The, that's fine. Yeah, with the, the, the race sides. <laughs> yeah, we, I, yeah I, I'm all for a restart. Let's put it that way. Like, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think we all are. I think we all could, <laughs> could go for re. So, yeah, no, this is the last full week with the full schedule. But I think we take it through through championship week. And then yeah. after that, we declare who gets uh, who gets stuck with the tab, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. How, when are we all going to be in the same place so we can it's do this? It's a good this? question. It's a good if, question. If, if I lose, what I'll do is, uh, well, Pete and I probably will. Bill, I don't know when you come out. I'll Bill, if I lose, I'll, um, I would love to dine with you because you and I have, have broken bread or at least had coffee before. Um, but if not, then I'll, I'll like send you, you know, uh, <laughs> well, I'm not going to say it because maybe somebody will sponsor us, but um Ooh. You know, one of the one of the great steak companies that delivers. Whoever we um, last year, I came up to Bristol uh, as part of the whole Sloan Conference thing in March. 
So there will be, there would be maybe an opportunity there if that all works out again, but I have no idea. Okay. We'll figure, we'll yeah, figure we'll that out. The summer we'll, too. Not that yep. anyone wants to wait that long, but Bill and I were in Bristol the same yep. couple days in the, in the summer. For college football meetings. Uh, for college football meetings. So yeah, I don't know okay. Reese, if you, right. if you'd be around, if you'd be around then or not, but we can, uh, we, we, we will can figure out. it out. Bill, are you going out for the title game? Uh, I'll, I, well, I don't know. I think I'll be at AFCA for the title game. Oh, okay. Sure. But yeah, that's, that's in Charlotte. They're far away from each other. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. And for those not in the know, that's the American Football Coaches Football Association, Association, I think. Yes. Either that or some other clandestine organization that Bill's a part of. Yeah, the the football coaches, it's, it's, oh, okay. there's nothing more fun uh, than being oh. at, at AFCA on Saturday or Sunday night before the national title game. They always time it to where it's that. And all the, the coaches are in the bar watching whatever NFL games on that night and just acting like fans and having a good old time. There's It is a lot of fun. I always enjoy going to AFC. And probably there. telling all the NFL coaches how stupid they are for what oh, they're yeah, doing. Oh, yeah, they react Every like one fans. of them, right? They yeah. react like fans. It's the best <laughs> part of the whole thing. They are all fans when they're not coaching. Yeah. yeah. They, they don't lack for opinions. <laughs> no. And it's a prerequisite for the job. Taylor, let's make some picks. All right, guys. So we're going to pick a bunch of games today. Uh, just to look at the leaderboard real quick. Bill has 49 correct selections. Reese has 48. And Pete has 47. So it's really anyone's game right now. Last week, Pete, uh, there was a push there with uh, Utah, Oregon. But uh, Pete and Reese both went 3-3-1. Three, three and one, And Bill went Four, two, and one. So two, two four, and one. Let's two, not four, give you one. I'm so it sorry. Two, four, yes, and one. <laughs> we should give you less credit. You do not deserve. You know what we have to do from this point forward. If we're going to make you the commissioner, no, no pushes. So you get the discretion. Not this year. We have got to keep the rules the way they are this year. <laughs> but next year, you move the line by a half point, one way or the other, so that there's no push. Okay. All right. How about oh. that? Well, How about uh, that? We'll commissioner Hook. We'll call no. you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Wonderful. Um, I think Bill should have to pick first so we can go against him to try to win. Uh, that's a good idea. So right, that's my plan. Is Bill Bill going first uh, overall or every pick here? Every ah, pick. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll flip the order. Well, of here. course, then again, like it's only one, so at some point it might you know it might swing back in my direction here, but mm. that's fine. I'll, I'll speak when I'm told to. We'll go through things chronologically here. Thursday night, the Egg Bowl, Mississippi State Whoa. at Ole Miss. Ole Miss, a two-point favorite. Let's go Bill, Reese, and Pete. Yeah, I, like forecasting the 50s with like an 80% chance of rain, perhaps very hard rain is what the forecast was for this one, which is just delightful. I'm not going to be there, so I don't care. I just want it to be a big mess on television, and sounds like that's where we're headed. It's also a big mess because of the teams involved. Um, you know, I was looking through, you know, SP plus projections and everything. Mississippi State had underachieved for four straight games until last week, you know, beating up on East Tennessee. Ole Miss has underachieved for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of the last eight weeks. So basically they surged at the beginning and they've just been drifting downward ever since. Um, I don't know which one of those trends is more powerful, though. It's... Um, you know, we got basically Ole Miss minus two. Uh, my numbers still say more like Ole Miss by four or five, and I don't trust either one of these teams, especially in the rain. So I guess when all else fails, give me the team that runs the ball better, uh, which in this case would be would be Ole Miss. I'm going to agree with you, and I'm going to confess to having not noticed that it was going to rain Thursday night there because I was tempted to go with Mississippi State because – of the uncertainty surrounding 
Lane Kiffin. When you have to call yeah. a meeting <laughs> and when you have to call a meeting to tell your guys you haven't accepted a job, but that's what that's the way apparently, even though I wasn't in the meeting, but according to the reports, that's the way it was phrased. Um, you wonder what you're going to get from that team. But in the rain, and because I do think that players today are a little bit different about that kind of stuff than in, in many places. And when you consider a large number of those guys themselves have, have moved uh, at Ole Miss, maybe it doesn't resonate the same way as it, as it would a few years ago. So in the rain, the better running team, um, you know, because, because, you know, 50% run and 50% balance, uh, 50% passes as balance is uh, 50% stupid. So, um, but in the rain, it'll be hard to pass 100% of the time. So I'm going to go Ole Miss and lay the two. Well, wouldn't I be foolish to just take Ole Miss, considering uh, I'm in last place and need to catch up, and how far below 500 we all are. So statistically, mm. actually, forget the SP+. Plus. It's like uh, it's like game day podcast minus is really the formula I'm going on here. The opposite of the pick. So, look, the, the, the smart signs point to Ole Miss. Um, the distraction piece is interesting, right? Because... You do wonder if everything changes now that the entire sport is a free-for-all. It used to just be a free-for-all for coaches, right? Now, uh, you know, half the old Miss players are from the portal who kind of came there, you know, for the, you know to get theirs. So I, I wonder if that, you know, you promised you'd coach my son for four years trope is kind of like a, a little bit antiquated. I don't know. Um, that said, I love this game. It, it is one of my five favorite games every year. It is we we like petty. Right, Reese and I often joke about embracing love petty. It, yeah. This is beyond petty. It's nasty. It is absolutely nasty. This rivalry. These two teams hate each other. The programs hate each other. The fans hate each other. Um, I was at the Egg Bowl the, the year Mississippi State had a chance to go to the playoff, the first year of the playoff in fourteen, and it was just. You know, being on the field an hour before the game, the stuff being yelled at the players, the stuff being yelled from the field. I mean, it's just like it is a different brand of hatred. So I am going to pick my right leg up in salute of Elijah Moore, <laughs> and I am going to take Mississippi State. It is good! Moving on to Friday afternoon, probably the best game of Friday, Tulane at Cincinnati. Cincinnati, a two-point favorite. Let's go Reese, Pete, Bill. Cincinnati is really good at home. Everything in me wants to pick Tulane because I want that story. I mean, nothing against Cincinnati, but I, I'd love to see them get a chance to play in the American Championship game. But, you know, they've given up some sacks. Bearcats have Ivan Pace Jr., who who probably is, is one of the better stories that hasn't received quite the attention that he's due. And that's our fault on the podcast and our fault on game day. But, you know, he, he's probably made it into a slate tape here or there. And that's about it. Um, Cincinnati hasn't been terribly impressive to me, to be honest, all season. And I've been I've, I've picked against them a few times. I've gone against them. Super dog. But I give them credit because they find a way. They, you know, I know they they lost the Arkansas game. They let the UCF game get away. But for the most part, they find a way to win. And so them playing at home on Friday, a lot on the line, opportunity to to win the conference again if they can win this game, get back to the championship game. I'm going to go with uh, with Fickles Bearcats being a little bit more mature program, and uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna lean to them. Well. 
Uh, anyone, uh, any interested investors for a, for a work-free Friday may want to track the status of Ben Bryant, Cincinnati's quarterback. Uh, last update Luke Fickle gave publicly is he's tracking towards a game-time decision against Tulane. Um, ben Bryant is a drop-back thrower, doesn't have a lot of wiggle. His backup, Evan Prater, is uh, more of a run-first type quarterback. So it's just two very different offenses, depending on who does play for uh, for Cincinnati. So with there being a bit of ambiguity at quarterback and needing to catch up, I will uh, I will go with the with the Green Wave, who look have had Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde performances here uh, the, the past couple of weeks. So I don't know which one's going to show up, but I think with when the stakes are high and you know we're we're assuming, Bill, what's the weather going to be like there? Did you peek at that? No, I just I saw on Twitter about Ole Miss, but I can look it up here. Okay, yeah, I just. I, I hope it's a blustery day in Cincinnati, right? Like 50 and set. Well, actually, it's going to be similar to what's going to be Columbus, which I have looked up, which is uh, yeah, yeah. a little warmer with some rain expected. So let's 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 roll wave. Let's see if they can uh, they can keep the storybook rolling. Uh, Pete's w- most well positioned to to catch up to me at the moment because I'm going Cincinnati. I feel like this is just a. Um... If it was like Cincinnati minus five, I would go two lane. I think they just Cincinnati's kind of mastered the yard of winning in a very disappointing fashion, like falling asleep or that East Carolina game. They gave that game away. They fell apart for a good percentage of the second half and they just went and won it anyway. It seems like they are mature enough to dig themselves out of the holes that they put themselves in. Um, and I figure in the end that that gives them a little bit of an advantage here. I think um, the defense is probably the best unit in the game. Tulane's defense is very been no breakish and uh, they prevent big plays and, and Cincinnati's run game only makes big plays and, or like two yard losses. So maybe that benefits them. Yeah. I'm just going to lean slightly towards Cincinnati here. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. NC State headed to North Carolina. North Carolina is six and a half point favorite. Let's go Pete Bill Reese. Uh, NC State's obviously had quarterback issues. Uh, Devin Leary went out a few weeks ago, um, isn't going to return for the season. Uh, his backup, MJ Morris, uh, has been injured, and it's left uh, it's left NC State scrambling a little bit. Uh, I think I've declared many times on this podcast that I hate picking any game involving North Carolina. They are by far and away stand on the table my <laughs> least favorite team to pick because they they play at a, such an extreme tempo. The defense stinks. The offense is really good, but it's just it, it, they're just so out of balance and out of whack that they're say susceptible to losing at home to Georgia Tech. So. Um, that said, if 
the the quarterback situation at NC State is is just is 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 just unclear enough for me right now that I'm that I'm going to have to take the Tar Heels against my better judgment. <laughs> yeah, last week was the ultimate, and you know we're up seventeen nothing. All right, let's just let's let's kick back and and move on to next week. And Georgia Tech, to their credit, just kept. Uh, kept throwing punches and, and eventually some of them landed. So, I mean, good for them on good for Georgia tech on that one. It was, it wasn't the kind of loss. I think we all expected North Carolina to suffer if they suffered a loss down the stretch, 21, 17, as opposed to, you know, 51 to 48 or something. Um, and I do, I think it was just a pure attention span thing. So I'm going to, I am going to lean tar heels, tar heels here too, because of the quarterback situation. NC state is, very much underachieved projections since Larry went out for very obvious reasons. And, um, you know, I, I figure that gives the the heels the nod. I don't have a much confidence here because this is a very stupid rivalry. It's one of my favorites. Um, you know, the Gio Bernard punt return from a few years ago. Last year's game was one of my favorites of the year. Last year's game was uh, bonkers. It was just mm-hmm. wonderful. And I, I that's really all I'm rooting for here. I don't care really what the final score is unless it's just a really silly journey to get there or, uh, you know, as long as it's a silly journey. So give me, give me the heels, but uh, whatever. I don't feel good about it either way. This is going to shock family because of my affinity for great Maine. I'm not out on Carolina offense at all, uh, despite the fact they didn't certainly didn't play their best. And if you saw the just completely uncharacteristic um, touchdown drop that Josh Downs had, yeah. that would have with it, that likely would have saved them the other night. And I mean, look, that guy's had a brilliant season. Things happened, but you know, it, it was just one of those nights when it wasn't going to fall their way, but North Carolina, up to this point in the season, has played 11 games. And six of them have been decided by a smaller margin than the spread. (laughs) A second one has been decided by about a half point more than the spread. they That's not what they do. And in this rivalry, I think it'll be particularly hard for them to do that. And, you know, I, I know Chambers hasn't been great when he's played at quarterback for NC State, but at least he's an older guy. You know, it's not like he's never played before after transferring from Charleston Southern. So I do think the Tar Heels will win. I do think they're the better team. But I'm going to go NC State in the points because Carolina Carolina has a way of letting you stay close. So I, if they're going to do that, then I'm going to take the points and uh, and expect and expect the bizarre. I already regret my pick, but I need to tell our listeners that <laughs> Reese Davis's man crush on Drake May is so strong. I witnessed it flying out of Bozeman on uh, on on Saturday. So there's like five games on, right? There's good games like Georgia's toddling around with Kentucky, Ohio State, Maryland's a real game, and there's Reese staring at Georgia Tech UNC on the screen in front of him, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, he doesn't joke about his man crushes. It he, wasn't he the only through. game I was watching, Pete. You know, it wasn't the only game. And I just flipped it over there for a little while. I wanted him to that say, was like see. seventh on my chart. I was like, oh, I don't want to see him right, spin Reese. that magic bean a little bit. You know, that's it. all. Until it stops spinning. And then it stops spinning. (laughs) It is good! It's the taking your tang-tang game, the game we've been all been waiting for. Michigan headed to Ohio State. Ohio State, a seven and a half point favorite. Let's go, Bill Reese Pete. This game is going to make you feel stupid one way or the other. Um, you know, with what we've seen, with the number of times we talked ourselves into Michigan only to be very much let down. And then last year when, when you know, 
they suddenly decided, you know, this, this whole man ball thing is going to work really well. And we're just going to push them around for 60 minutes. This is, um, I'm, I'm going to feel dumb either way. I'm just going to lean on the numbers and say Michigan, because I, I do think that number one, Michigan's defense is dynamite. When I was writing, you know, my preview this week, um, somehow it sneaked up on me. Some of the numbers that they posted, obviously I knew it was good, uh, but I mean, they are absolutely dominant uh, against the run. They're, do- they're even more dominant against the pass. Um, it, it, this might be the first game where Ohio State actually misses not having all of its guys 100%. Uh, you know, Ohio State's averaging 49 points a game since the Notre Dame game, despite Smith and Jigman not playing and Henderson and Williams getting hurt here and there. Um, and it hasn't cost them at all. Um, I, you know, I think they're still, they should still be the favorites here and, and they can probably uh, still win the game. But I do think Michigan's able to make enough stops and, and, run the ball well enough. I'm just going to trust that Blake Corm plays. And if he plays, he plays pretty well. Um, uh, you know, that was a scary injury last week, but signs seem to be pointing in that direction at least, but yeah, we're just going to, we're, we're going to think of last year's game, pick Michigan and then still pick Ohio state to win to, to hedge all the bets there. Bill, I, I respect your numbers and I then <laughs> just watch it and just watching from a football judgment standpoint, Michigan's defense does look really good. Yeah. Against but right. That's yeah. where I'm going. But you start going down the list of teams that they've played offensively. Who's the best offense they played? I mean, Maryland. I mean, I guess maybe I guess you could say Penn State, but Penn State's gotten a lot of better since they played them, but it yeah, right. it might still be Penn State. Yeah. So it's one of those two. But the other, uh the the others are Michigan State and Rutgers and Nebraska and Illinois and Iowa. And, you know, and then the non-conference that we've talked about in Indiana, who's, you know, dreadful all the way around. Um, you know, I, I like the way Michigan plays, and I think Harbaugh is a, a terrific coach, and I think they can win the game, especially if Corum is healthy. And even even if uh, – and Pete may have info on this, I don't. But if, if Corum and Edwards could play and Schoonmaker and Morrison, you know, if they're at full strength, certainly they can win the game. But, you know, I just I, I just can't. After last year and building the whole year, I'm going to take Ohio State and lay the points. So I did uh, one of these breakdowns. We talked about it on the Wednesday pod a little bit where I talked to like 15 coaches and scouts. And, and it always very insightful. I feel so prepared going into the game because you're talking to these people who studied for hours and they're giving you the cliff notes. So it's uh, – it's a lot of fun way to prep, but like after 15 calls and hearing conviction, but pretty convicted both sides, right? Like the people who liked Ohio state talent, precision of Stroud, you know, improved offensive line. People like Michigan was their offensive lines, just, you know, borderline erotic performances. They were, people were very giddy about the uh, Michigan offensive line, strong defensive line, great third down stuff from Jesse Minter. Um, you know, the, everyone was convicted in their way, and I didn't leave those conversations any more convicted than than I was before. Um, the The best argument that kind of came up, one of the smarter ones, was special teams, and then of course Ohio State blocks kicks two weeks in a row, and you know changes two games with with block kicks. They haven't blocked a kick since twenty nineteen, so it's like it, it's all you, you. I have all these puzzle pieces, and I and I don't see how they fit. So I am going to go back to talent. I am going to go back to, I, I don't think Michigan's defense, first of all, what a matchup, right? Both are in the top 10 in the country in offense and defense, scoring offense and scoring defense. So it's just like, what a treat it will be to be at the shoe on Saturday. 
I'm fired up. I know Reese is fired up. Game day is going to be uh, game day is going to be one of the best ones we've done. Um, but I just think like I when in doubt bet on talent, right? And there is just a there is just a different layer of talent between JTT, Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, Mike Hall at defensive tackle. A lot of guys really liked when you started when you started digging in a little bit um, to that. Uh, somebody called Tommy Eichenberg a young Dick Buckus. <laughs> <laughs> That didn't make the story, but, um, you know, I'll leave with this point that Ohio State's DNA change on defense in, in really a lot of their programmatic changes were directly related to last year. I think that's what makes this game so fun. They got their tails kicked and changed everything they did to come back and win this game. So, um, and one of the things that they did was they developed this defensive line reputation as the rush men, and they put in four rush men, and they stopped kind of filling gaps and doing things D-line men have to do because they started chasing sacks. And a couple of people pointed out that their D-line just got a little bit too uh, a little bit too foo-foo. So the, the, with Knowles' defense between Tanner McAllister at safety and Eichenberg, there's people going downhill to meet those running backs. So I don't think Michigan is going to be able to dominate the way they did in their run game, even with that great O-line because of Eichenberg and because Knowles is going to be, is, is going to be able to move those three safeties around. So that said, they're going to have to force JJ McCarthy to beat them over the top. I think Michigan's raw talent at receiver is pretty pedestrian. So I think they're going to struggle to score with the Buckeyes. I think they have good receivers, Bill, but I just don't think it's like, you know, one coach said to me, Ronnie Bell doesn't scare me. He's like, <laughs> when we played Marvin Harrison Jr., he scared me. He kept me up at night. Ronnie Bell, good player. You know, he could catch eight balls for 66 yards. But it's just like it's a different uh, different level of talent. So anyway, I went way too long there. But I'm going to uh, I'm going to take the Buckeyes something like 30 to 20. I, I, this is a very interesting matchup because Ohio State really did respond to, just like Michigan had responded to Ohio State a lot of years, Ohio State mm-hmm. went out and responded to what Michigan did to improve. And then Michigan got better at what they did too. That's the most yeah, interesting. Sure. I, I really do. Any like I, I hope Corum is able to play well because that makes this mm-hmm. just a fascinating game all around. And one one last little nugget too: uh, Red Zone is going to de- determine all of this game because uh, that's like the one area you know statistically where either one of these teams has trouble. Michigan's still only 59th in red zone touchdown rate. Uh, Ohio State is 61st in red zone touchdown rate allowed, even though they're good up till that point. They have allowed touchdowns in 89% of goal-to-go situations, Ohio State has. So they've toughened up. They've gotten uh, better. They're they're doing more old-school, rugged things, and they still stink in the red zone. Um, So that's weird. And if Michigan – we know what Michigan has has lost by – you know, in the red zone in, in, in previous games here. And if they're kicking field goals, they're not going to win. But if they can score touchdowns, I think they've got a really good shot. It is good! Auburn headed to Alabama. Alabama, a 22-point favorite. Let's go Reese, Pete, Bill. This game for Auburn every year is a crusade. Um, it hasn't really been that for Alabama since maybe the beginning of the Saban era when, when Tuberville ran off six in a row. There have been intense games, and certainly Alabama always wants to win them. But Alabama is they, – they've built the program on playing for championships. They would rarely do what you guys just talked about. And part of that is because Auburn's always up and down a little bit. would rarely do – um, other than changing the coach because he lost to Auburn, do something within the program simply to beat Auburn. You know, 
Auburn would absolutely do that. Uh, Pete and I talked on Wednesday about the Cadillac conundrum should Auburn go into Tuscaloosa and win now that that coaching situation may be settled by then. <laughs> but, you know, there is a groundswell of support for him, and certainly the players have have performed with great intensity and with their hair on fire. Alabama's probably not as good on rush defense as some of the stats would indicate, and that's all Auburn can really do is run the ball. They're not going to scare you passing. They're not, you know, Hendon Hooker and Jalen Hyatt. Um, you know, Robbie Ashford can run, but he's probably not Jaden Daniels. So everything in you tells you that Alabama should cover this, except for the fact that Alabama hasn't covered squat all year. So I'm not laying 22 with this Alabama team that I question, you know, they're going to say all the right things. And, you know, and Nick's pushing them about, you know, your legacy's formed by how you finish, especially in this game. You know, they, they've sort of taken punches and then fought back rather than going out and, and putting the hammer down to people. So 22 and a rivalry game that's a crusade trying to, even if it's an exercise in futility, trying to get the coach hired on a permanent basis. Um, I'm going to take Auburn in the points, though I do think Alabama will win the game. I, I'm not going to overthink this. Like, Cadillac's been a good story, and it's been nice to see Auburn have a pulse. Uh, I just think, I think Bryce Young puts the foot down and it's his last uh it's his last home game and I just think they roll them. I just think pound for pound, talent for talent, they are exponentially better. I think they they you know the way they played last year lingers in that program. Um, you know, they didn't they basically slept walk for fifty nine minutes uh down in uh down in Auburn. So I think Alabama wins. I think they win big and I think uh yeah we uh we start. We, we. I look forward to who has to ask Nick Saban about coaching against Lane Kiffin in next year's uh, next year's rivalry game. <laughs> I challenge one of the uh, our intrepid friends at AL dot com to uh, drop that question post game. Well, you know Lane's always done a really good job. He did a great job for us. You know while I was there, and you know it's not like we haven't coached against him before because you know relative to what he's trying to accomplish at Ole Miss, and now I'm sure he'll do a fine job for them at Auburn, just like he did for us when we were there. But, you know it's not really about that. Whatever you guys say, it's not really about all that. It's about the players, all right? Pretty good. I'll, I'll never forget when Saban was at the Dolphins. They asked Belichick about it, and they're obviously friends and old coworkers. And he was like, why is everyone making such a big deal? It's just two Croats going against each other in the same division. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear that one. Um, it was sad, probably paraphrasing there, but it was he made a joke about their, uh, you know, their, their similar Eastern European backgrounds. So basically all the logic that Pete just used, I'm going to use except replace Bryce Young with Will Anderson Jr. Um, you know, he's been a massive disappointment this year in air quotes. He only, he only has 14 tackles for loss and eight and a half sacks. And he's come up big on, on a few occasions. And I, I, I just, I, I will be floored. Nothing really surprised me with college football. I will be very surprised if Auburn hits 10 points. Um, I, I think they, they really have not been all that great against the run compared to what we're used to, but I, I just kind of feel this is a uh, regression to the mean here game for Cadillac, among other things, and and uh, Bama overwhelms them. So give me Bama. It is good! Oregon, a three-point favorite headed to Oregon State in the Civil War. Let's go Pete, Bill, Reese. It's interesting game, uh, in an interesting, uh, interesting moment at Reserve, which is under construction. And a a small stadium holds less, so I would argue that that will be uh, there. There will be maybe more energy 
in in that stadium than than any of these rivalry games, just because it, it's going to be contained in a very different way. They're they're redoing the stadium there at uh, at at Oregon State. Um, I'm going to uh, I'm going to call for the outright upset here. I think uh, this has been a Beavers team that's gotten better as the year has gone on. I think the quarterback change they ended up making via injury has gotten them a little bit more dynamic, and uh, I feel like. Oregon has had a bunch of big moments and is sort of like situated for a bit of a letdown. So I think that the Beavers can stop the Ducks just like they stopped the Trojans. And uh, yeah, I think they're, I think it is this prime setting for an upset and I'll take the field goal if it's not. I, I mean, you can tell how confident I am in all my picks this week, this year, whatever. I can, I, there, there's nothing that's going to surprise you over rivalry week. I, I was, at first, I was surprised to see the line was only three. My numbers only have Oregon by four, you know, even though they love Oregon. So and that kind of tells you how much Oregon State has, has surged here late in the year. They were 56, then SP Plus after six weeks, and now they're 26th. Uh, really, really solid defense. Really, This really just comes down to, I mean, if Oregon really is just exhausted, because they've had a couple of humongous games these last couple of weeks. And though Nix has taken hits and struggled and everything else, if they are not 100% and they they aren't really dialed in, Oregon State's going to punch them in the mouth repeatedly. And I guess I will go Oregon just because I've really liked Oregon all year and picking them has gone really well for the most part. But man, like I, this Oregon State team is like they could they could still technically end up with ten wins here. They, they've they've really caught fire down the stretch. They probably should have put Washington away a couple of weeks ago. Um, just a really nice team and and uh, just a pretty. This is the prettiest rivalry game of all rivalry games uh, with with the yellow or the green or whatever and the orange. It's it's a lovely game and uh, I guess I'm going Oregon. You know, since that night when. Uh, when they lost to USC and then the next game against Utah, uh, when Oregon state gave the ball away repeatedly, they were minus four and minus four in turnovers in those two games. They have not lost a turnover battle since <laughs> Oregon was a little loose with the ball, but then again, so was Utah the other night. And I do buy into the, to the fatigue thing. I think Oregon is the better team, even though I am, I'm high on beef too. And I think Jonathan Smith's done a great job there, but I, you know what, I'm going to go with Oregon state at home too, because it feels like that this year in the PAC 12, that we shouldn't have order at the end, even though even the OSC has, has uh, brought a lot of order in. It feels like we need like one more week of, of upset and chaos. This is a this is a series that in recent years that Oregon has owned. I think they've won eight out of ten. Uh, Pete mentioned on Wednesday the great success that Oregon State has had at home overall, not in the series, but overall uh, their only loss in their last eleven games in Corvallis is that is that close loss to USC uh, early in the year in which they had every opportunity to win. So, I think. Even though, I mean, Oregon, I think, will show up mentally ready. The question is, are they exhausted? Are they fatigued? Um, you know, and it would be a, a bit of a difficult circumstance for Dan Lanning, who I think has done a sensational job in his first year as a head coach and first year there, to lose the two rivalry games. But, uh, you know, maybe they still win it, but don't cover. But I'm going to take, uh, take the home dog. I'll take Oregon State in the points.
Notre Dame at USC. USC, a five and a half point favorite. Let's go Reese, Pete, Bill. Bill and I were talking about this a little bit just before we started recording, and I talked to several people over the last couple of days because I had this idea for something I want to frame on game day Saturday about um, about running game and particularly using the tight ends because uh, Dalton Kincaid of Utah has 61 catches on the season. He had 16 of them <laughs> and over 200 yards against USC. I went through pro football focus and whatever you think about, you know, I know there's some who tell me they don't like the way they grade players. Okay, fine. Their linebackers in coverage and their safeties in coverage do not score well in coverage. And now here comes Michael Mayer, right? Uh, probably the best pure tight end in the country, particularly if you're like me and you sort of uh, classify Brock Bowers as baller, you know, and not not just tight end. He's running back, he's wide receiver, he's tight end, he's a little bit of everything. So Mayer's the best tight end in the country. Now, I will grant you that while I think Drew Pine has a lot of positive attributes, I think it's probably fair to say that he's not quite cam rising, so that could make, that could make a difference in utilization of it. So I see the path. I, I know how the game could go. Uh, Notre Dame's offensive line did, you know, did a great job with Clemson's defensive front, which, um, with all due respect to Tui Pelotu, is, you know, not certainly not as good as Clemson's. SC's is not. So one would think that they would be able to run the ball. You got linebackers and safeties who aren't great in coverage. You could get the ball to Mayer. Um, they don't really have anybody explosive on the outside, but that might not hurt their feelings because they can just hold the ball longer. I see the path. That, that's what has to happen for Notre Dame to win, and maybe they lead the nation in block punch. Maybe they block a punt or two also. You see the path, and I can't get there. <laughs> I, I just I just can't get there. And so I'm, I'm going to take SC, even though I, I do. There are a lot of people who think Notre Dame can and, and will win this game. But, you know, every now and then Notre Dame, it's been a while, but, boy, when you lose to Stanford, I mean, I don't, I don't kill them as much for the Marshall game because of the way of where it fell on the schedule and you know, kind of getting caught by surprise. The Stanford thing, uh, if you can turn in a performance like that, you're prone to an occasional stinker. And I, I'm going to take, I'm going to take SC and uh, and and lay the five and a half. This is an important question that should have been asked after we probably picked like seventy games <laughs> and uh, are about to make probably our final pick. Does do the multiple losers buy the ribeye for the winner and split it, or are we just trying to avoid last place? And that's the person who buys. I don't know the answer to that question. I'm open that, to anything. <laughs> I don't know that we ever decided it. So. <laughs> Commissioner oh. Hook, I believe it was a it was a split by the losers. If I call okay. recall okay. correctly, no, that's fair. That's, oh, that's uh, good. That's that's very fair. I just was curious. That's all. Um, as I was as I was plotting, like, do I really want to pick Notre Dame? Yeah, that's a much more <laughs> expensive bet if it's one guy buying two stakes. Yeah, yeah. I think we split it. That's fine because yeah. I think the winner would like to gloat. Like, it, there should be no glory in second place, right? <laughs> that's fair. how bad yeah. second place is. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah. And I say this as having the highest statistical odds of having to pay some money. So I don't want you to think I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm bailing here. So um, Reese couldn't, Reese could see the path, but didn't want to take it. Oh, I'm driving on that path, man. I'm driving Go on ahead. the path. We're, 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 we're rolling here. I mean, this, this Irish engine uh, churned out 44 points uh, in the middle of a snow globe on Saturday. And uh, look, 
there's something to be said for a hot team that's playing well and finding its stride. And uh, between Audric Estime, Logan Diggs, Chris Tyree, uh, there are plenty of folks to run the ball behind those big tackles. And uh, yeah, Michael Mayer might catch 19 balls on Saturday, and it wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't, uh, it would, it would, it would surprise me a bit. And they could just go right to the Rams from there because he is uh, going to be a high pick in the NFL draft. But I'm going to take the Irish. I. Uh, They've given us plenty of reasons to believe both in the micro and for Marcus Freeman in the macro these uh, these past two months. And, uh, yeah, Drew Pine just needs to be plucky and not turn the ball over. If he catches 19 balls, I'm going to feel smart and dumb at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's that's the trick here is to lay out that you understand both sides, and then it doesn't matter who you pick as much because you can just kind of say you were right all along. <sighs> Do I see the path? I, I should have been keeping tabs on who I've disagreed with more to make sure it's even. Um, <laughs> I, I guess I see the path. I guess in, over the course of recording the podcast, I guess I have talked myself into Notre Dame uh, being able to pull it off. And it's basically because like, for, for the fact that they still lack explosiveness terribly um, and, and really their, their efficiency base, their stat profile looks like a service Academy with the efficiency versus explosiveness kind of, kind of split there. last four games. They've overachieved projections by 21 points against Syracuse, 26 against Clemson and 22 against Boston college. They underachieved projections dramatically against Navy. But if I pick North Carolina anyway, even though they fell asleep, I guess I'll just decide that Notre Dame fell asleep. And that's the only reason that one was close because it was a blowout at half. So I guess I see the path. I guess I'm following it. Um, Notre Dame is 23rd in rushing success rate and USC is 123rd in rushing success rate allowed. And they're 10 and one in two games, maybe from the playoff. I don't understand how that's possible. So we'll just say the gods say that it's not possible and they're going to lose again. It is good! Kansas at Kansas State. Kansas State, a 12 point favorite. Let's go, Pete Bill Reese. Well, it was good to see Jalen Daniels back uh, against Texas. That had been reported <laughs> at some point in. Uh, October that it might not be possible. So uh, it was nice to see one of the feel-good stories of the uh, college football season return at quarterback for Kansas. It was not as nice to see how Kansas played uh, upon his return. He he struggled in spots and looked a little bit uh, and looked a little bit rusty. Um, Kansas State has uh, we have to come up with a term for this. They have shown an affinity for sporadic authoritative dominations um, <laughs> that have that have that have emerged that that would make picking against them scary because not only do you lose, but you can look really stupid because they're going to win by so much. Uh, that said, 12 is a lot of points, and I, I don't really love this Kansas defense, but I do feel like Jalen Daniels, especially because he can run the ball and gives them a little wiggle on offense, can uh, they, they can move the ball and, and score against K-State. So I will uh, I will take the points, and let's hope the Sunflower rivalry is fierce. Yeah, it's been, I think we've gotten one good Kansas-Kansas State game in the last like 12, 13 years. It's been about as, I mean, it's Kansas, and so it makes sense, obviously, but it'd be really, really fun if we actually had a good game here for once. Um, Kansas State's defense, every other game, Kansas State's defense is elite. Last uh, six games, they've given up 9, 38, 0, 34, 3, and 31. 
So uh, they are capable of absolutely anything. And I do think Kansas State, like Jalen Daniels played pretty well too. They probably should have had more than 14 points last week uh, against Texas. <laughs> they weren't ever making stops, obviously, so it didn't matter. But they have potential, clearly. Um, I'm just, I'm going to, I got to go Kansas State because I think if they win, it's going to be by like 27 points or something. Uh, because when they catch fire, it is, it is, they are one of the best teams in the country. So um, I do hope for a good game. I'm, I'm betting against a good game. I'm picking K State. This is the game where the whole Will Howard redshirt idea officially <laughs> comes to a close. This is his fifth game. I saw a stat this week that in games in which he plays, they score 39 a game. Games in which he starts, they average like 48 or something yep. like that. He's opened them up in the passing game. Two of Malik Knowles' three 100-yard games have come with Will Howard at quarterback. Kansas State is a little bit banged up in the secondary, so I do worry about Kansas scoring enough to stay with them. But uh, I, I'm I'm pretty convinced of of this one. I think Kansas State wins. If Texas uh, wins, and maybe when you're listening to this, you already know the answer to that. But if Texas were to beat Baylor and and force K State into into a must win to get to the Big Twelve championship game, I think the old Power Cats will do that with flying purple colors. I'm going to lay the twelve and laugh and say Kansas State goes on to the Big Twelve title game. Last game before we get to your locks, Washington, a two-point favorite heading to Washington State. Let's go, Bill Reese Pete. This is a perfect nightcap. I was so excited. Uh, this is really the only game worth following late at night, but it's the only one you need, I think. Um, lovely game. My numbers don't help at all because they have Washington by 1.7. Um, so this one really is a toss-up. I, I Washington said I was ta- I was talking about uh, – you know, Oregon State and, and the way they've come along. Washington State hasn't been as good offensively. They're 12th in defensive SP plus now. They are they have just been dynamite dynamite on that side of the ball. Gave up 44 to Oregon in that one game. They haven't, I think, 30 points to USC. And and that's really that's really about it. So um I, I feel like they can slow down Washington about as well as anybody can. Um and I guess Especially since I picked against Oregon State, I got to pick one fun home team here. I'm I'm going uh I'm going with the Cougs. I'm going to go with the Huskies. I just pulled up the weather here just nah. to check to make sure, and it's going to be chilly, but it looks as if it's just going to be partly cloudy. No precipitation. It's going to be in the high 30s. So while the so the defense of Washington State, good as it may be doesn't figure to necessarily get much of an assist from mother nature. Um, I, you know, Kalen DeBoer has got the contract extension. Uh, Washington state certainly has had a really, really good season, but um, you know, they came up as much as I love the Cougs still my number one game day stop though. We've certainly had some competition for it this year. I think just the whole idea of taking the flag around and my good friend, Tom pounds, uh, I hate who was the father of getting the flag to college game day. I, I hate to go against him, but man, they they still call it Coogan it for a reason. So I, <laughs> I think I think I'm gonna um, I'm gonna say that the Cougs will probably flirt with it and sort of like the Oregon game, uh, they'll they might have a victory snatched away from them late. It's only two points. So if I think Washington's gonna win, uh, the smart thing to do is to lay the points. So that's what I'm gonna do. 
Washington's offense, I, I think Michael Penix is the nation's leading passer. That's um, correct. Has just, has just been dynamic enough where even though Washington State's defense has been good and certainly I respect the environment there, it's just hard to see them slowing down this offense at this time. So I uh, I am going to be uh, a little boring with my apple cup slices and, uh, and, and go with the favorites. Did all three of us pick uh, or did you go Cougs, Bill? I went Cooks. You went Cooks. Okay, good. Yeah, Congratulations. We, we, we don't have any three and O's this this week so far, so that's good. Went, by the way, Wayne Talapapa, um, uh, you know, he he was fine at Virginia. He was kind of the definition of fine, and so I didn't really when he transferred out to Washington. I really didn't think much of it. Like five point eight yards per carry, just a really nice change of pace that makes sure that you're punished if you you know go to like a permanent dime or something against Washington. Really nice pickup there, and 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 well utilized. And and by the way. Contract extension for Kalen DeBoer already. Uh, I think we were talking about this uh, when the season started. When you hire a guy who's been awesome at every job he's had in college football, yes. that's a pretty good hire, and, and it's worked yeah. out pretty well for Washington so far. There were two contract extensions yesterday given to guys who were awesome for many, many years yeah. before their current <laughs> jobs. Yep. And it's probably not a coincidence. If you're really good at being a head coach, at many different places where it's hard to be a head coach, you're going to continue to be a head coach. Good. Yeah, when Lance when Lance Leipold, when I went up there in last spring and I was talking to him, I mentioned uh, Kalen DeBoer there too, and he, and he smiled because they'd, they'd go to those banquets after the, you know, with all the national title winners and all that, and it'd be, you know, him from D3 and DeBoer from NAIA, and they just hang out with each other because everybody else knew each other, uh, <laughs> and they just kind of pair off and, and hang out for most of the night. So it, it really is cool that those two guys are doing so well. Here's the transfer portal story for fans. Uh, one of our terrific producers on game day is a man called Jeff Brown, who is a is a devout uh, Virginia Cavalier. We even call him Cavman. And uh, and so I mentioned uh, Tyler Papa playing at Washington, and he he could not have been more stunned that <laughs> he was like, wait. He's still playing. He plays for them. <laughs> it's like this is like early in the season. I was like, yeah. He was like, well, I thought he graduated or something. Uh, maybe it's the uh, that's the way the transfer portal thing goes these days. They leave your team in there, out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it is good. Let's shut it down with your locks for the week. Let's go, Bill Pete Reese. I'm going back to the over under well this week. Um, there's just one line that I have not been able to figure out. New Mexico State at Colorado State, the, it's set at 35 points. Um, I immediately went to Weather Underground to look at the, the forecast, and it's like mid-50s and potentially sunny. There's no bad weather, even with two horrific offenses. And they are like 129th and 130th in points per drive, I think. Uh, 17 of their 22 games this season have gone over 35. So I feel like those are those are lovely odds there, especially since Clay Millen for Colorado State has actually kind of been decent these last few weeks. Uh, obviously, Rocky Long's defense might put an end to that, but I just I, I that's a really low bar for a good weather game. I'm going to assume somebody gets to you know 20 uh, and it's you know 20 to 19 or something, and and they pull it off. So I'm going New Mexico at Colorado State over 35. I uh, I respect the talent of Texas A&M. I respect the 27 <laughs> overtime game these teams played where uh, somebody got punched in the pacemaker. Um, I respect the petty and hatred that goes along. What is that? Uh, I-10? Is that what rolls from uh, from Houston to uh, to Baton Rouge? Does that sound right? 
Yes, that's um, right. Yeah. I just think after watching Texas A&M modestly struggle with UMass, um, there's just no way they're going to be within 10 points of LSU. Like that, like what are you showing up for if you're Texas Ham? It's going to be the, the stands are going to be empty. Playing spoiler doesn't even really like you're really not spoiling anything if you win because they're still going to the they're still going to, to Atlanta. So I just think uh, much like this entire Texas A&M season, the Aggies will no show. And I will take Brian Kelly and the boys to uh, tidily dispatch the Aggies. I'm going to go to the Sun Belt and the showdown for the Sun Belt East. Coastal Carolina leads that division. They've lost Grayson McCall. Everybody knows that. They're going, you know, James Madison has has made a quick transition. And I, I know they're not eligible, but this is, you know, they're sort of playing for their version of the division there. And James Madison is a 14-point yeah. favorite. Um, and... I really, really like James Madison. I think a rising star in coaching over the next few years on the offensive side of the ball is uh, going to be Tino Sinceri, who's passing game coordinator at James Madison. I'm going to get a call from his mom and dad after what I'm about to do, but I'm taking my lock as Coastal Carolina getting two touchdowns, man. I mean, they're they're nine and one. I know they've played a bunch of close games, and you know they got they got whacked by Old Dominion, and somehow Old Dominion. I'm not sure Old Dominion has scored since that game, and that maybe that's why the maybe that's why the line is is what it is. But I'm going to take the shots and two touchdowns and uh, and make that my lock. And it is also, unless somebody steals it, going to be my super dog on uh, on Saturday on College Game Day too. Yeah. I- SP plus had JMU winning the game and I was a little surprised by that. And I just thought I was looking at the line wrong. I just stared at it for a little while. I didn't make it my best bet though. Cause I was scared of it. Like I'm completely missing something and there's a reason Th- 38 players have been suspended. Yeah. So I, oh, I, I know. I, I mean, yeah, it, it, it worries <laughs> me too, because it seems like, you know, you'd think, you'd think single digit. I would have thought probably around a touchdown or something yeah. like that at most, but so 14, just like army Yukon. Somebody yeah. was right. Yeah, they were they were begging they were begging you oh. to take UConn. They're probably doing the same thing with Coastal Carolina. Well, they begged me, and I'm granting their wish. I'm going to take the shots, <laughs> gentlemen. I hope you have a great Thanksgiving. I know that uh, we're going to have a tremendous day after Thanksgiving, and certainly the Saturday after that in Columbus, Ohio, where College Game Day will be for Michigan and Ohio State meeting for the fourth time with perfect records. I have another unbeaten in there uh, in the 70s in which Michigan had two ties. But this could be this could be the last uh, last game like this of an era. If, you know, as we start to go away from divisions and expand the playoff, this winner-take-all feel that will accompany that game on Saturday is something that I'm not complaining about. I'm not uh bemoaning the fact that we're expanding but I do think that we ought to take a second and embrace and enjoy uh the rarest of things in sports a regular season near winner take all game I know look maybe both of them do wind up in the playoff but that's not how it's going to feel Saturday it's going to feel like a loser league town match in the old WWE <laughs> or something uh, this has been fun, gentlemen. I hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving with uh, with your families and your loved ones. Same wish for all of you out there listening. Thanks for listening to the College Game Day podcast, and we'll see you next week to tell you how poorly we did in the race for the ribeye. <laughs>